<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I can tell you that Russell Russell Lafitte never conspired with me to do anything. Those words from Alec Murdoch will not lead to a new trial for his friend and alleged partner in crime, Russell Lafitte. The federal judge in Lafitte's case calling Alec Murdoch a serial liar and more. I'm Antoinette Levy and welcome to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. On two occasions now, Russell Lafitte has asked Judge Richard Gergel for a new trial, and twice Judge Gergel has denied that request. Lafitte's second motion for a new trial came after Alec Murdoch testified at his double murder trial that Lafitte didn't do anything wrong when he transferred money from clients at Palmetto State Bank, where he was the CEO, to himself and Murdoch. I just want everybody to understand I do not dispute that I stole money that was not my money, that I misled people to do that. Those words meant nothing to Judge Gergel. He wrote in his decision that evidence presented at Murdoch's trial established without question that Murdoch is a serial liar and a fraudster who stole from clients. Judge Gergel said Murdoch is now convicted of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul, so it's difficult to imagine a less credible witness in his mind. With me to discuss Judge Gergel's decision on Russell Lafitte's motion for a new trial is Dylan Nolan. He is director of special projects at Fitz News and also has an accounting degree, so who better to cover a financial crimes case? So Dylan, welcome to Sidebar. Thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. Dylan, your initial thoughts, uh, your reaction to Judge Gergel's decision denying Russell Lafitte a new trial based on the words of Alec Murdoch, somebody he called a serial liar. I mean, this to me always read as a long shot. Russell Lafitte has actually submitted two motions for a new trial, the first being the one with far more merit. There was a late in the game swap of two jurors. I think this is something that might have grounds at the appellate level, but Alec Murdoch, somebody who perjured himself on the stand, uh, or at least a jury believes he did, is not the kind of person who I expected Judge Gurgle to take seriously as far as giving him a new trial on those grounds. He did fall on the sword, though. Alec Murdoch, I mean, they have him kind of dead to right on these financial crimes, as far as as far as far I can tell. He said during the murder trial, I did it. I, I stole money. I took money that wasn't mine. So why not believe him when he says, Russell Lafitte, this was my thing. I kind of duped Russell Lafitte, too. Well, I think that there is an element of truth in Murdoch's statements. I think that he cajoled uh, Lafitte. I think that he pushed him, manipulated him lied to him. But you have to look at the other side of the coin, and that's that somebody who has risen to the position of chief executive officer of a bank, a highly regulated financial institution, would not 
not know what they're doing. So even if Alex pushed him, there is just no way that he could have executed the transactions, which there is hard evidence showing that he executed, without having some thought process in his mind of, this is not how uh, proper banking occurs. Take me inside the courtroom. This was a trial about financial crimes. No cameras allowed. It's federal court. They don't. Some jurisdictions allow an audio feed. Uh, this one doesn't. So what was it like listening to all of this and listening to the case as the government built it and then Russell Lafitte testifying? Right. It was interesting. The government's case, you know, the first couple of days were the introduction of financial testimony. And if you're not familiar with how criminal cases work, you can't assume anything. So anything that is going to go in front of the jury has to literally be presented to them. So there's days of presentation of checks, of financial documents. And during this time, it doesn't seem that the government's building too much steam because this is pretty boring stuff. But eventually they start putting all of these pieces together, all of these checks, all of these transactions. And they make a pretty clear and convincing case that it would be impossible for Russell Lafitte to have not known that he was committing bank and wire fraud. And it also would have been impossible for him to not have conspired with Murdoch in the commission of those crimes. So the bar was high when the prosecution rests. And I think the defense team had a shot of tearing that down. And I think the same thing happened in Alec Murdoch's murder trial. But I think that the defendant taking the stand was a huge mistake because I think everybody in the room saw right through the story that was the defense narrative. Let's talk a little bit about the the issues with the jurors in this case. It's my understanding that Judge Gergel wanted a verdict. He wanted a verdict by Thanksgiving. It's my understanding. It's, it's, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dylan. You were the one in the courtroom. Did you think there were serious issues with what happened with the jurors in this case? Let me back it up a little bit to let you know that Yes, this is the day before Thanksgiving holiday, so everybody has plans. Nobody wants to be there the next day, including the jurors. And this was after nine hours of deliberation that four notes come into the courtroom in pretty rapid succession. This is around 8.30 at night at this time, a little before then. And there is a juror with a medical issue. And then there's a separate note talking about a juror who they don't know if this is the same person with the medical issue who cannot deliberate. There's also somebody who has a problem following the judge's instruction with the law, so applying the law. And you can read the transcript of this day. This was rushed out as soon as the trial was over because obviously this was a contentious part of the trial. And you can see the attorneys are figuring out in live time what to do as this is kind of uncharted territory how this should be handled. They have three jurors that uh, are alternates who are waiting to be swapped in and they're afraid if they swap these in and then need more jurors, they could be out of luck and have to redo the trial. So there's this discussion of basically, we are in uncharted territory here. What do we do? Do you see anything happening on appeal with this case? Well, the resolution of this situation is that the judge with the counsel of the involved parties decides to go and discuss with the juror who has the problem what their problem might be. And he doesn't know if this is the medical issue juror, if this is the juror who can't deliberate, because obviously they try to maintain the separation between the judge and the juror, especially during deliberations. So he goes back there and figures out this is a two birds with one stone situation because the juror with the medical problem also seems to be the one that was holding up deliberations. So of course, on the grounds of this medical problem, which by all accounts was as serious, this juror uh, needed medication for anxiety and was like shaking, could not even really speak to the judge. So he says this is a clear situation where you replace a juror. That being said, I'll be very interested to see how the appeals court handles this because there is really no clean, good, obviously this is by the book, without a doubt, 
resolution of the situation. I don't think that given the set of circumstances, there's any way that the judge could have resolved it and have it be completely scot-free. So it, it has to go to that level to be further evaluated, I think. Well, it, I'm sure it will go to that level, but uh, just back to Alec Murdoch and how Judge Gurgel viewed his credibility. And, and I find it interesting, Dylan. I don't know if you do. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But I personally find it interesting that Russell Lafitte is using the words of Alec Murdoch in his double murder trial to try to get a new trial. The judge denied it, saying that Alec Murdoch now stands convicted of the double homicide of his wife and son. It is difficult to imagine a less credible witness under these circumstances. Why didn't Russell Lafitte, why didn't his defense team subpoena Alec Murdoch to have him get up on the stand and say, you know what, my buddy Russell Lafitte this was not his deal. I did this. Well, I mean, that was something that came up over the course of the trial, but it was made clear by attorneys representing Murdaugh that he would go up and take the fifth. It was not going to go anywhere. Well, that puts him at risk then for federal charges, federal wire fraud charges then for Alec Murdoch. Right now he's facing state charges. It doesn't mean that federal charges couldn't come later. Well, Dylan Nolan, thanks so much for coming on to talk with us about this. We appreciate your time. It was my pleasure. Joining me now to talk about this decision is Eric Bland. He represented some of the victims of Russell Lafitte and still represents them. Eric, welcome back to Sidebar. Your thoughts very briefly on Judge Gurgel's decision. Um, it was not surprising, given some of the statements he made during the trial and certainly after the first motion for a new trial was denied. The second motion was really out of desperation because essentially you're saying that Alex Murdoch is credible when he said in his trial that he was not a co-conspirator, that Russell was not a co-conspirator, Russell did nothing wrong, and Russell didn't take any money at my direction. Judge Gergel, in a resounding decision, said that is against Rule 33. One, it's not newly discovered evidence. Two, he said Alex is wholly not credible, that throughout that trial he was not credible and both the jury and Judge Newman in Judge Newman's comments said that um, the jury was misled constantly by you throughout this trial. So one of the standards is, well, if I was to let it in, what is the likelihood that there would have been an acquittal as opposed to a conviction? And Judge Gergel said, even if I had let in Alex's testimony that, he, that Russell was not a co-conspirator with him, the jury would have still found him guilty. And what you're seeing is that Judge Gergel believes both Russell Lafitte and Alex Murdoch are bad people and believes that 
Russell Lafitte still is not acknowledging his criminal conduct. He did it when he changed attorneys. It's a very dangerous thing to do, Anjanette, before you're sentenced to change attorneys and start to blame your trial attorneys, especially when it's a former prosecutor like Bart Daniel. That was strike number one. Then he took off against the judge when the judge dealt with the three jurors who had issues of one with the antibiotics, the other was uh, incapable of further deliberation because he felt that there was some pressure. He took off on the judge. He took off on the judge on some evidentiary rulings. And I think you're going to see in this sentence a judge that is going to send a decision that really says, Russell, you need to look inside yourself the same way that Judge Newman said it in his sentencing. And don't forget, there's something in that Russell Lafitte trial that never came out, which is the two Russell TV episodes that Russell released, one before the week before the trial on YouTube in an interview with his cousin. And then another episode in the middle of the trial with his cousin, where he blamed others and didn't accept any culpability or responsibility. And he could have he could have said it differently when he tried, when he was on the stand. Alex didn't do it either. There wasn't a lot of contrition. You know, Alex said, sure, I, I, I stole money. I took money. But he never apologized to his victims to say, look, you put me in a fiduciary position and I should have watched out for you. I shouldn't have manipulated and exploited you. And I think Judge Gergel is going to load up Russell Lafitte. That's the bottom line. When's the sentencing? I would suspect it's within the next six weeks because my clients, some of my clients got victim impact statement forms that they're supposed to fill out and return to the government. So all victims who have the ability to speak either through the form or if they choose at the sentencing, they could speak who are victims. And that's the Plyler sisters and some other people that I've represented, Jordan Jenks, they can speak or they can have me speak. And I, I'm hopefully going to be able to speak at Russell's sentencing because I have a lot I want to say. But I do believe that it's coming and it's going to come like a freight train because he has done some things that really have upset Judge Gergel. He attacked the judge personally. Attacking Bart Daniel was not a smart thing to do. Post-trial, post-sentencing maybe, yes, when you do an incompetency, a counsel defense on your appeal, but not before you're sentenced. And then to say, well, geez, if I brought in the biggest liar, thief, and double murderer that this state has ever seen, and I let him testify, he would have got me an acquittal. It doesn't make any sense. Well, we will be watching for that sentencing date and, and for the sentence. Thanks so much, Eric Bland, as always, for coming on. And that's it for this edition of Law & Crime Sidebar Podcast. You can listen to and download Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, you can always watch it on Law & Crime's YouTube channel. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time. 